Welcome to the Redemption Church Podcast. We exist to become witnesses to God's new creation so that every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with Jesus. We believe that as a family of servant missionaries, we are empowered to participate in God's story because of the good news that King Jesus is making all things new. In today's teaching, Eric Benoit shares what the scriptures have to say about our speech and what is the solution for the taming of the tongue. So my name is Eric and I am one of our pastoral interns here. Um, I am in the process with two other guys of just kind of getting to know what it would look like for us to be pastors um, here at Redemption and uh, they're trying to get to know us, we're getting to know each other, trying to see, so it's kind of a a long-term process. There's no commitment, nobody's voting, nothing like that's happening, but we're just kind of in this process. So they're gone, so they asked me to um, come up and speak about a passage. So before we have Andrew read that, I want to start with asking you a question about lying. Um, Have your parents lied to you? Did your parents lie to you? Anybody out there? Your parents lied to you? Yeah, your, your dad lies to you all the time, right? Um, what are some of the lies that your parents have told you or do tell you? This is good for you, right? Just take it. What else? What's that? I'm fine. Yeah. So that's kind of the one I'm getting to in a second. What else? Other things that your parents lie or lie to you about? You know, your dog's on the farm, right? Uh, if, you, uh, if you leave your face like that, or if you make your face, it's going to stay like that. The, the crust is the healthiest part of the bread of the sandwich, right? Um, they, you know, they, they tell you this magic fat man comes and brings you presents, right? Um, they tell you all these lies, right? So the lie that my parents told me, and probably a lot of your parents told you too, is that sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you, right? And if that were true, which by the way, I, my parents told me that a lot. Uh, they told me a lot of different versions of that. My mom's favorite one was water off a duck's back, right? Just, just let it go, right? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. And if that's true, and I believed it was true, there's certain implications that come with that, right? Where my words don't matter, right? I can say things to other people, and if it hurts them, well, that's their problem, right? Or if it does actually hurt, it does actually sting, well, there's something wrong with me, so I just need to bury that, Right? And so there's lots of different problems that come with that. And in a second, Andrew's going to read in James chapter 3. And, and James, I'm just kind of spoil it for you now, disagrees. Right? Disagrees a lot with that. So if you can, while Andrew comes up, go ahead and go to James chapter 3. And then we're going to be doing verses 1 through 12. And then it's also on the screen if you want to follow there. James 3, 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know... <clears throat> that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide our whole bodies as well. Or guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, 
setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. All right, let's pray. Um, God, we thank you for the wisdom that uh, you, uh, while you're here on earth, uh, told your people, and then James later replicated here. Um, help me to speak well. Um, you know, the first verse is warning me. Uh, and so please just help us to understand what's going on here, help us to apply it, and then ultimately help us to have to change bodies and have changed hearts as we um, then reflect that in our changed tongues. So again, give me grace as I speak and uh, have your spirit be with us. Amen. All right. Um, okay, so that first verse, it starts off with a warning to teachers and Definitely. So if you're a teacher uh, in, in any sense, right, you're, you're speaking a lot more than other professions. And so, yes, you have to be more careful. So if you're not a teacher in the room, does that mean the rest of the passage doesn't apply to you? No, right? It, it, it definitely does. Because all of us are speakers, uh, and we just have different parts to play. So yes, you could be a teacher at a public school. You could also be a parent who you are teaching your child, which you know uh, a lot of us are. Uh, you could also be a Navy officer and you're teaching the, the men and women who are under you. Uh, even the shift manager at Chick-fil-A, right? You are teaching, you are leading, you are speaking. And so all of us have this same struggle of how do we control our tongue and how do we speak truth and how do we honor God with our mouths? And often we don't think about the mouth part. Um, I mean, maybe if you're, if you're familiar with this passage, you've thought about it before. But likely, you know, if you've thought about uh, sin, you've, talk, you've thought about, okay, well, what about the, you know, my sexual temptations in my life? Or what about uh, thieving? Or what about uh, being angry? Or what about doing violence to somebody else? I mean, and this is typically not the one talked about. And I would make the argument that this is the, one of the core ones that actually drives all other things. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through verses 2 through 12, and then we'll kind of see where it goes, and uh, I'll present a problem to you, and then we'll come up with some solutions, and then we'll go from there, um, and hopefully everybody will be home in time for lunch and football. Um, all right, so uh, James gives three great analogies. The first one is a bit and a horse. Um, his... His analogies for all three of these are really similar in that there is a small thing that controls a bigger thing, 
So I'm not into equestrian. I don't know a lot about horses, but I know this enough about bits. And we've been using bits, by the way, for thousands of years. They've changed a little bit. They're a little bit more technical today. You can get them customized for your horse. But essentially, a bit, if you don't know, is a piece of metal that you put inside of a horse's mouth and you have reins attached to it. And this bit applies pressure to the horse's tongue. And the horse doesn't want that, right? So if you pull here, the horse is like, okay, fine, I'll go here. And so what ends up happening is once you're able to domesticate this beast, you have a 80-pound human that can control a, you know, 700-pound animal, right? Well, why? Because this little bit, right? This little piece of metal. So the next one is a rudder and a ship. So again, the, the, the ship is going against the current or in the water and the current, the wind is pushing against it. And yet you're able to have this little piece of wood, this little piece of metal, and this small thing, which takes up, you know, 1% of the overall weight of the, the ship can still be controlled or can still control the whole ship, can still move the whole thing. Uh, both of these two things are kind of benign, right? You can use a horse for, for great things or for evil things, right? You can use a ship for great things or for evil things. The, the spark and the fire, it, it's also similar in that way where it's, yes, you can use it to start a campfire, you can cook your food, you can do all that stuff, but it's also, it's a little bit more, let's go back to that, um, that verse and put it up there. It's, it's a lot more aggressive than the other two. Right, so it's kind of like the second half of verse five. How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such such a small fire, right? The small, small, the small spark, um, and the tongue is also a fire. So, the the little spark is able to ignite the whole forest, completely destroy it, completely ruin this. So, what does this look like in actual life? I would argue every single war is caused by this one spark. Right, this one one person is able to convince somebody else to do this action. Uh, often in history, we look at World War One. Does anybody know why World War One, like classically, has started? What's the big thing that happens? Yes, Archduke Ferdinand's assassinated. Right, so one guy is killed, and then hundreds of thousands of people end up dying after that because of that, because all these like little things start to play, and. Why did the assassin, right, from I think the black hand, right, why did this assassin come and kill him? Well, at some point he's convinced by somebody else's lie, somebody else's deceit. Uh, even we can go back to, well, actually I'm getting ahead of myself, I won't go there. Um, okay, so let's keep going and then go down to um, verse 6, right, we're going to continue there. Uh, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human uh, being can, contain, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. With it we curse people who are made from the likeness of God. And so what he describes here uh, in verse 8 is that it's almost like this imagery of a serpent where uh, no human being can contain, can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. That word restless is like kind of like wiggling. Uh, it's kind of the word like, like difficult to grasp. And I kind of visualize like this slimy creature. And then also full of deadly poison, right? It's, this is kind of imagery towards a snake. And I think what James is trying to do is it's trying to kind of throw you back, back to Genesis 3, right? Back to the garden where you have a serpent in, in the garden who, with just a couple words, is able to set the fire ablaze, right? This one lie, this one deceit, you won't die, right? Sets the whole thing off, and so it, it, it continues. Um, 
So again, he continues, from the same mouth comes forth blessing and cursing. Uh, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So our tongues are inconsistent, right? Where we can, again, so I do this to my kids. Um, I think my kids are probably the people who I offend most with my tongue, uh, which is is sad and unfortunate. That's something that we're we're working on. Uh, But you know, with it to my kid, I can say, you know, I love you, you're great, you're, there's so much. And then to my son, my son Ezekiel, I said to him, like, you're just a crybaby, right? And so it's like from the same mouth, I can love my son and encourage him and tell him how tough he is, and at the same time, like, just destroy him. And that was two years ago that I called him a crybaby, and still today, right? Still today, he's got that, like, deep in his heart where he's um, so scared of being a crybaby. And like thinking back, like I, I hate that, right? I, I hate that, that I said that, that I did that. And it's still there. It's still a, like in my mouth, it's still there. In my, in my head, it's still there where it's this, you know, I want to love him and encourage him. And yet I just, I say these stupid things, right? These, these destructive things. Um, I've said lots of really terrible things. So I, I got to, you know, as I'm preparing for this, you know, speaking today, I thought a lot this week about this inconsistent nature and people I've said um, just awful things to and things that were like meant to be in jest or things that were not meant to be taken seriously, like actually like really hurt them. And it's, it's frustrating that our mouths are like this, that we can say all these great things and yet we're cursing them too, right? We're blessing God and yet we're cursing his people, right? We're destroying his people. We're setting these things on fire. Um, These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so the fact that our tongues are like this, they're, they're unnatural, right? They go against the laws of nature where, you know, a spring says, should do this and a fruit should do this and that's how it should be. And yet our mouths should be one way and yet they're not, they're both. It's, it's unnatural and yet um, it's normal, right? Like I'm not like the weird, like the super weird, I mean, I am super weird, but I'm not like the only person up here who is, has the only, only one struggling with this. Like it's, it's normal. And this is, this is the condition of humanity. Um, maybe it's not normal in the sense that I don't know if most of the world like really thinks through that, like non-believers, like we at least have this internal struggle, of, like trying to improve and yet, yet struggling to do that. Um, so, okay. So we have this problem where Ephesians 4, 29, um, I think it's on the screen, so um, you, you don't need to jump there, but you can if you want. So Ephesians 4, 29, uh, Paul tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as, is, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, so we're commanded to do this. We're commanded to speak this way. We're commanded to build each other up. We're commanded to... Um, encourage, we're, in, we're commanded to, to love people with our words, and yet James says we can't, right? Or James says that we, we go back and forth. And so this problem is how can we actually live out what we're supposed to do, and yet we have this problem with our tongues. So uh, there's, I think there's lots of false solutions, but I, I thought through two of them. Uh, so one, and this is the one that again, depending on who you are, you might, you, you might be more tempted to do than not, is just be quiet, 
right? Okay, fine. If I can't say anything right, I'm just going to shut up. Have you had any fights with your spouse like that? Um, you know, I just walk away and just like, okay, fine. You don't like what I say? Not going to say anything, right? You're, you're the problem. Uh, clearly, I'm not. So I'm just going to not say anything because you can't handle my words. Um, so why, why does that not work? Why is silence? I'm actually asking you this. So why is silence not an option? Why can you not just choose to be silent and yet follow the command of Ephesians 4.29? Oh, you're getting like three slides ahead. So, yes, Mary. Um, right? <laughs> yeah, so how can we like be building people up if we're silent? Right? Does that actually solve the problem? No. And, you know, another problem with it is, who do you talk to more than anyone else? Yourself. Right? You talk to yourself more than anyone else, and you can't turn this one off. Right? You can maybe, maybe control your mouth to the extent where you just clamp it shut, but you can't control the self-talk. And that self-talk, like, it's the same problem of the tongue. You can tell yourself great things and you can tell yourself terrible things. You can build yourself up and tell yourself the truth or you can tear yourself down and even actually even tell yourself the truth while tearing yourself down, right? Um, or versions of the truth. And so silence isn't an option. It's not practical. It's not possible uh, for that to be a solution. Uh, okay, so what a, another solution? So maybe I can just be disciplined, right? I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be strict. I'm gonna learn how to control it. Uh, sometimes I'm gonna white knuckle it. Sometimes I'm going to um, practice these things. I'm going to to learn how to do this. I'm going to uh, read this or watch the seminar, or I'm gonna read this book, and and I'm gonna be just disciplined, right? That's how I'm gonna do it. By the way, I almost thought of like doing the whole sermon about like just being disciplined, right? And that's how everything was gonna connect. Right? What's the problem with that one? Right? Why can't you just be disciplined? Right? Did you not just read James three? <laughs> like it? I mean, you you can't. You're inconsistent. Right? Your your tongue is uncontrollable. Right? So just trying to be disciplined. Like, okay, we'll get there in a little bit. Like, I mean, yes, yeah, so there's some practicality to that, but you're not able to. You're not able to actually solve the problem. And so, what is the real solution, Mary? <laughs> She's being disciplined with what she wants to say to me, right? Um, yeah, so we have to have a changed heart. I'm not, you're not the wrong person. You're a great person, Mary. Um, so you have to have a changed heart. So the only way that we are actually going to change the tongue and actually change what comes out of our mouth is what is in our heart, right? That's it. Uh, Jesus tells us this in uh, Matthew uh, 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, the only way you're going to actually be able to not just control it, but what naturally pours out is what naturally is going to be in your heart. And so experiencing Jesus and experiencing the gospel and knowing the gospel and believing the gospel more deeply, this is how we do that. So how do we do that, right? How do we experience the gospel or experience this truth or hear what Jesus has to tell us? Because oftentimes we'll, we, as in like greater Christianity, will say like, okay, we'll just believe the gospel more, right? Or just, just listen to him or just, just do it, right? Just go, just believe it more. So I want to ask the question, how do you actually um, 
hear what God has to tell you. So tell me, what are some ways that you can actually hear what God has to tell you? You got to read the word, right? You got to be in the word, right? That's, that's how, and, and, you know, sometimes we, we, well, yeah. So consistently, weekly, daily, multiple times a day, you got to be in the word, actually seeing the words that he has preserved for us to understand. What else? Somebody else said something over there. Yeah, fast, right? And so while you're fasting, you know, you're uh, committing to every time that you are hungry or thirsty or you're desiring this thing. No, instead, I'm actually going to pray. I'm actually going to spend time with my father. I'm going to remember this commitment that I made, right? So you're spending time with him. What else? So what do you, actually, what, let me ask you that. What does that look like? What does spending time with God look like? Because again, we say these things, right? They're just like common phrases like, oh yeah, just spend time with God. But how often do we actually talk about them? So what are some ways you spend time with God? Singing, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's alone in the car. That's, you know, corporately on a Sunday morning. That's, um, you know, as you go to sleep, like singing those songs, right? What was this one? Prayer. Yeah. Okay. So, so what does that look like though? What does prayer with God even look like? Because we can, we can say like, oh yeah, I prayed before I ate, Right. And which is great, like do that. But, but what else? Like, I mean, what does it look like for you? Yeah, right. So it's it's not just telling God what you need, but it's also like listening to what He has to say. So how can you? I think a lot of Christians just don't do that often, or it doesn't seem like they do it often. Where it's like, yeah, I prayed for five minutes, or I prayed for here, or, I prayed for here. Um, but I would really encourage you to. Uh, like, go outside, right? Put your phone down, leave it in the car, leave it in your house, and go outside. I love to go for, like, walks in the woods. Um, I couldn't sleep this morning, so I went to the beach at, you know, 3 a.m. And just, like, spend time with God and just talk to God and let him talk to you. And you'd be surprised once you put your phone away and once you put the distractions away, like, what he actually has to tell you. And the more you practice it, Right? Just like talking to a human, right? the more you practice talking to a human, the more you get uh, confident in understanding each other and the more you kind of speak the same language. It's the same thing because you know, I have my, my, my kids come to me, my children, like, what do you mean you heard God talk to you? I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. But, but the more you practice it, the more you do it, uh, the more, the easier it gets. And so my kids will say to me like, well, well I, I tried to listen to God, but he didn't say anything. Okay, well, how long did you sit there? Well, 20 seconds. How many, how many times did you try? One time. Okay, well, it takes time, right? You got to practice. Uh, and so I would say that, yes, it's, it's coming on to church on a Sunday morning. It's uh, being with the church, right, out during the week. It's, uh, it's singing the songs. It's reading the, the scripture. It's spending time with God. Uh, these are all things. And when you're with him, I think often... Uh, we need to ask, ask Jesus, well, how are you talking to me, right? Like, what are some of the things that you're telling me? Because, you know, the scripture isn't just about how we, the wrong things that we say, but it's also the right things that he says, right? So what are some of the things that he's telling us? Well, he's telling us uh, in Romans 5, right? We are sinners and yet we are loved, right? We're loved despite our sin. Uh, in Psalm 139, he tells us a lot of things, uh, but he says, you know, God knew us. God made us while we're still in the womb. Uh, we're made with intent. We're made with value, 
right? And how often do we, we tell ourselves these things and remind ourselves of these truths, right, while we're doing that self-talk, right? And the only way you're going to know that is if you've talked to God, you've spent time with him, you've understood his scripture, right? Um, Matthew 6, right, he says that he's going to take care of us, right? Look at the, the, the flowers of the field, look at the birds of the air, do they sow? Do they reap? Do they harvest? No, but they're still provided for, right? He tells us that we're his children, we're his family again and again and again. And so we need to remind ourselves of these identities. Um, and while we do this, this is how we change our hearts. This is how we actually change deep down inside what we believe. And then that's what matures us. That's what grows us. That's what um, ends up coming out of our, out of our tongues. Some bonus advice. That was super quick, right? It's like 20 minutes, right? Um, all right, some bonus advice. Uh, if, the, uh, if the tongue is so hard to control, and we believe it's hard to control, how often do we give grace to other people? Right? Like, how often do I say to my wife, like, wow, you're just, what you said was terrible. That's okay, because I know it's hard for you. Right? And I don't mean that in like a condescending way, but like, like for real, like how often do I give grace to other people after recognizing that, yeah, it is, it is hard to control my tongue. Um, discipline, right, is not a solution, uh, but it's not, uh, it's not really foolish either. So Proverbs uh, 17, 28 tells us, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Right? Sometimes silence and being disciplined is, is the right course of action. Um, so, you know, use that wisely. And, and I would say this too, like, because I was thinking through like, okay, so what did, what did Jesus say and some of the things that Jesus said? A lot of the times that when Jesus spoke the truth and Jesus said the right things, like what were the consequences? Right? Like uh, people hated him, right? And they tried to kill him. You know, in uh, Luke 4, Jesus stands up and reads the scriptures and then they're like, okay, yeah, let, let's, we're going to kill him. Right, they all plotted together, like, yeah, okay, we're, let's go get them, right, once this, once this thing's over, right? And just because we are speaking the right things doesn't mean it's the wrong thing. Sorry, just because we have negative consequences for saying the right things doesn't mean that it's the wrong things. So I, I think, too, we often just judge how other people respond to what we say instead of actually, like, really thinking through, like, okay, was this the right thing, was this the wrong thing, so... Thank you for listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. To learn more about our kingdom ministry located in Chesapeake, Virginia, visit weareredemption.org.